Welcome to Always Real Talks Politics 2020. I got in the building A. Scott Bolden, the former chairman of the D.C. Democratic Party, a political analyst with CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Did I, did I miss anything? Did I miss anything? No, unfiltered. But more, and more importantly, <laughs> he is the managing partner of one of the most prominent law firms uh, right here in Washington, D.C., and he never is at a loss of words. Hey, Scott, welcome back. How you doing today? Man, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. We, Good. we woke we up. We I are. woke up. You know, you came upstairs. I came upstairs. Did you, <laughs> did you get any calls in the middle of the night? No, I didn't get any calls in the middle of the night. And I, and I made it up the stairs. And you made it up. <laughs> I made it up the stairs. You don't, don't leave that out. Hey, hey, I go, hey look, we're here, so it's we're blessed. Right. But let's let's it's jump right, right into it. Mm-hmm. Look, I, you know, I've seen you. You've been talking about this. We're down to a two-man race. Some people even say it's not a two-man race. Mm-hmm. I mean, as you can see, the delicate count in the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. 812, 655. Biden is, you know, is Biden, is he, is he done? Is this a done race? I don't see a path forward for Bernie Sanders. You know, one thing your listening audience and viewing audience has to remember is when Biden wins Michigan or Biden wins South Carolina, uh, if you win, if he wins by a wide margin, he gets more delegates. Right. The closer the race is, the more delegates that both um, Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden get. And so the numbers that you've got up there show about a 50 or 60 delegate difference. Um, that's not uh, um, uh, that's not really uh, a wide margin, if you will. And we've got several other states to come, including Illinois, uh, Florida. I think we've done Texas already. Uh, but it's important for Biden to keep the momentum and to keep winning delegates because it's not a winner-take-all in these states. The uh, RNC and the Republican primary, it's a winner-take-all. And so it's going to be a slog, and it's going to still be a fight fest. The problem I have with Bernie staying in the race, if this momentum continues for Joe Biden, it's not much of a race, and he's presumed to uh, going to win the nomination. He's going to get to 1991. If he doesn't, then we'll have the broker convention. So we got to keep watching it. Well, definitely. And, and, and I think that where we are, is, it's funny because we started this show, uh, what, about a year ago, mm-hmm. Scott? And, mm-hmm. I, and I said, has the Democratic Party gone too far left? Have they mm-hmm. fallen off the cliff? You mm-hmm. remember that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone told me, no, we know, we got mm-hmm. Bernie, we got all these people, and you know, mm-hmm. this party needs to change. And where are we today? <laughs> we're we're right back where I thought we were going to be or yeah, need to too. be, and that is, and you did too, and, mm-hmm. and somewhere in a way that kind of makes sense to win mm-hmm. the White House back. Well, you know, um, African American voters are socially liberal, but the rest of their life, or other parts of their life, they're quite conservative. That's kind of the dirty little secret of African American yeah. life. I mean, they're churchgoers, if you will. Uh, they are not risk takers. They like having money in the bank. They want a good government job. These are these are attributes of a conservative voting population. That's the first thing. So when you talk about Biden and the African American support for Biden, he's a moderate, and most African American voters are moderate. So we, we learned that from South Carolina and beyond. The other thing that's super important is the media focuses on <clears throat> the progressives in the Democratic Party and the Bernie Sanders, and he certainly has a movement and a following. But we're also finding out, based on these delegate numbers, 
that Bernie Sanders' movement isn't large enough and there are not enough progressives in the Democratic Party or independents to really uh, bring him to leadership or bring him to winning the nomination. Uh, him being a self-described democratic socialist is bothersome to a lot of people. One, they don't understand it, and they're not taking the time to read. There's a difference between democratic socialism and communism. But he's got to grow. There's a huge But he's got to grow in order to get the nomination. His political theory and those strategists with him say, I'm the only one that has a movement and can excite the base and have 7, 10, 20,000 people at a, at, a, uh, at a rally. But what he hasn't done this year that he was, did more effectively in 2016 is get those same young people and those same committed supporters for Bernie Sanders to the polls in these states during the primary to the polls in a dramatic way where he wins the primary in the caucuses in a big way. And then folks like me and you who are moderate Democrats, uh, we throw our hands up and say, okay, uh, we're going to be part of this movement. Joe Biden hadn't done anything but consolidate his moderate and conservative base. And once, and once the other candidates got out and threw their support behind him, uh, life got real good and much better for Biden. Well, it's, it's a couple of things. We always said, and when Bakari Sellers, he was here, said it too. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden, I mean, uh, Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders by 3.7 million votes. Yeah. Right? And people, yeah. it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. Right? And people right. forget that. So you have all these political analysts, all these shows, you know, and, and they're saying, oh, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders got all these people at his rally. He had all these people at the rallies last time. He got mm-hmm. all, these, all, these, all these people coming yeah, up. But the vote. difference is he's had four years to perfect this movement. Which, and it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't. It, it didn't. feels like it well, did, it but it hadn't translated well, into votes. It didn't happen in High Iowa. Mm-hmm. Right? It didn't happen really in New Hampshire the way we way the breakdown was. Right. It didn't happen in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't happen in California. I mean, it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Everything that people have been saying and pumping the Bernie Sanders campaign up about, it just hasn't happened. Well, the polling supported that pump up, though. Well, too. the polling supported Hillary winning. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I don't know. So, I mean, the real question is you know, we should be looking at some of the posters out there. I know there's some great people, but well, they haven't been quite right. When because, you see a poll, right? Do you think a poll is a predictor of who's going to win a race, or is it a snapshot in time as to what's on the minds of the voters, and that's what polling reports out? Well, I mean... It's, it, well, it's the latter, not the former. That, that is true, but and also polling, as you get into these polling and the data, it's who they called, who they kind of mm-hmm. talked to, mm-hmm. you know, what their mind frame was at that moment, yeah. given what's going on. I mean... I'm not saying that polling is wrong. You can break it down. But, 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 but polling's been, we mm-hmm. can't totally rely on it. Mm-hmm. But back to my real point is that the young people, are, for example, you mentioned the African American community. Oh. And then I talked to another youngster walking down the street, Scott. I said, So, hey, man, did you, did you make sure you go vote? Did you vote? He said, he said Yeah, he said, I'm for Sanders. I'm for Sanders because, uh, you know, I want health care. Mm-hmm. I said, But did you vote? Did you vote? Nah, nah, I ain't get a chance to vote. <laughs> Booyah. Booyah. That's the difference right there. <laughs> right? But, I mean, so, you know, did you, mm-hmm. did you go to a rally? Yeah, but I, I just I didn't get a chance to vote. Mm-hmm. So I want to get back to where we are. I think it's Biden and Trump. So I'm, I'm you mm-hmm. know, done talking about the rest. I think Bernie Sanders you know, ran a campaign, good campaign. He's talking a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people energized. People want health care. Mm-hmm. You know, people will figure out how to pay for college, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's a problem. All those things need to be issued. Climate within. change. Climate change is a huge issue. But you know, when it comes back to it, it's a Biden Trump matchup. Mm-hmm. And but I do I have to? Do I have to? I can believe in all those issues, and I can believe in Bernie Sanders and his rhetoric on those issues. 
But that doesn't get me to the poll to vote for him. Well, Why do you think that is? Well, well, I, I think it's a couple things. The same reason why in a general election, we have to be very concerned. Because if those same people don't come to the polls, then this is an exercise in fertility. Mm-hmm. Trump mm-hmm. is going to win, right? right? So right. it's a it's a larger issue. It's just not why didn't they come to the polls for Bernie? Mm-hmm. The question is, are those same people <clears throat> going to come out to the polls in a general election to support a Biden? Mm-hmm. I think something else, though, too. I think that Bernie Sanders is a movement candidate. Uh, Donald Trump was a movement candidate. Shake up the establishment. And we've had four years of Republicans shaking up the establishment. And I think the majority of voters, Democrats and independents, and even some moderate Republicans, uh, don't like how this shakeup has looked and felt. And I don't think they have the appetite at, the, at their core gut, the appetite for another de- for another shakeup that would be democratic. I think what's on the minds of the voters, sure, beating Trump, that's for foremost. But I also think that they want some normalcy. They want some calmness. They want some integrity and authenticity in their government. That deep down they want to believe again in their government. They can't believe in this government under Trump. But that Joe Biden represents stability and someone we can believe in and trust. And that the government will get back to some normalcy. He won't attack our intelligence uh, uh, and our diplomatic corps. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will recognize climate change and what the scientists tell us. Uh, he will bring us back to normal, and normal was not all that bad, actually. You may not trust normal, but given four years of Trump, so you yeah. want to trust normal again. So, I mean, I, I love those talking points. You know, as the former chair of the Democratic Party, <laughs> you throw it all out, you know. But, I mean, listen. I try to be eloquent, too. I mean, you, you are. You know, eloquent. it sounds so good. You know, you know it's like this. I started saying to myself, I said, well, that all sounds good, Scott. This is what America wants. But I mean, wants. but at the end of the day, the question becomes... The question is, so I like those talking I mean, points. outside of what's going on, we'll talk about the corona a little bit, the mm-hmm. virus and stuff, mm-hmm. about that in the stock market, where it is and mm-hmm. why it's taking place. Let's put that to the side for a second. Unemployment is down. The market was doing very well. People feel like they had, certain people feel like they have more money. Clearly, everyone don't feel like they have more money. I did this is America. I don't know if it's going to be ever an opportunity where everyone feels like they're getting ahead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the way you laid it out is that people are just going to vote for a kinder, better, gentler, sweeter guy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what you laid it out. Noise. I mean, that's what you said without political noise. And right. that's going to be enough to overtake a sitting president that's doing well in a oh, time. No doubt, I mean, so you think people are going to vote for morality? No, I think they're going you to vote for American the, values. And that's, that's morality, they miss those right? American values. It may be some morality there, but... Uh, Donald Trump and his politics and his rhetoric and his Twitter account make all of us very nervous. If I'm a foreign country, foreign leader, can I rely on this leader, this new leader of the American uh, country? Um, uh, no. Uh, the, the sexism, the racism, the Islamophobia, the homophobia, the, the religious uh, bigotry, if you will, that makes most Americans uncomfortable. If you interview a Trump supporter, they'll say, I don't support him on his Twitter account. I don't like all the things he says. But then what they say, and these are the evangelicals too, they jump into this political bucket and they, they, they rattle off everything that's good about America and the economy. And because he's the president, he is, quote, in their minds, responsible for that. 
And so racism, sexism, religious bigotry uh, is not as important to them as the, quote, welfare of the country and what they believe he represents. The problem with that analysis is that he inherited a great economy, a booming economy, uh, from Barack Obama. Barack Obama turned this economy back around after getting uh, a recession economy from George Bush II. And then the last four years of his presidency, you can't forget the job market, he created 20 million more jobs. He put, I'm sorry, 16 million more jobs. He put 20 million on health care. Uh, he uh, saved the auto industry. And so his economic record uh, of being like the third best job creating president we've ever had in this country cannot be ignored when you look at what Trump has done. He has nurtured the economic numbers. Sure, employment is down. But we found if you really get behind those numbers and the economists out here, they will say, yeah, there are more people working, but their wages aren't going up. And these are frontline workers at eight, 12, $20 an hour jobs, uh, as opposed to uh, white collar jobs or middle class jobs, jobs that are paying a, a strong salary, higher wages, and that they're growing, including the green economy that, that Trump has walked away from. These are important facts. These aren't talking I points. Know, These we, are important I, facts. I, I know, we'll do, so it's a collection that you've got to put in the mix when you evaluate the economy under Donald Trump. Well, and now you go. Now you go. It was, it was, you know, anytime you have to go back and forth with, you know, a managing partner, a litigator, right? Litigator, one of the best. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a little old-fashioned, Kwame, always real talk, keep it simple. You want to say why a couple times? Don't fool me. Don't fool the public. Real simple. You want twice city wide in the nation's most important city. Never supported by Washington Post or anybody else. But but I agree. So when it comes down to it, mm -hmm. I understand what Obama did. We all did. Mm -hmm. But this president's been president for three years. Mm -hmm. Economy hasn't gotten worse. Maybe the people that... But it's a natural people, trajectory but, of a great Obama economy. Well, I, but so you got to put it in context. But, but he's the president now. I understand. When you're the president, you, 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 you take credit. Quality, you exactly. take credit, right? And so, I give that to So him. what you're saying, and I just want to understand this, I mean, you're, you believe that people want just a different type of person but they want the economy to stay the same. Sure. You know, you got policies. They want human decency. Well, they want a president they can be proud of. Well, good. I'm glad Good. good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, because you and I uh -huh. were sitting there watching the presidential election in 2000 and what, 16? Uh-huh. 16? Uh -huh. 16? Uh -huh. yeah. And it was none of those characteristics uh -huh. that came across from the current president when he was a candidate. You know it and I know it. It was grabbed or whatever. It was sexist. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was the birth of... It was everything that we already see today. Yeah. Nothing has changed, Scott. And we told America nothing, what but, a presidency of Donald Trump would be. Right, but nothing has changed, Scott. And the economy has gotten better. Unemployment has gotten lower. The country feels safe. Like, people generally feel... Oh, I don't feel safe well, in well, this I, country. We, look, we talk to people and we mm -hmm. say, hey, you know, what do you think would happen if something was to go down with America? They say, well, you know, we saw Trump when something happened over there overseas. They went and got that guy. So they think he's tough and he's going to fight for America. Now, whether that's true or that's not, the perception is this is a tough guy. He don't take no stuff, right? He says things he shouldn't say. It's wrong. He it's was indecisive right. on Syria. He walked away from Syria and turned it over to Russia. 
His talks with North Korea have all been fluffed. That hasn't moved at all. Sure, he shook his hand. He gave North Korea a huge platform and got nothing out of it. He's answering the Putin every, every day, every month on issues that are, whether it's Crimea or whether it's Syria or whether it's just having a conversation about whether they attacked our elections, he's walked away and said it wasn't Putin because Putin said it wasn't Putin. That's enough to make anybody fearful well, okay, if you're an let's, American let's, in this country. Then let's, then let's talk about Have the Have you gotten more conservatives since you were an elected official well, in the you, district? You, said you sound a lot more conservative now. This is always real talk. I like to like keep both sides. I can't be the sky molded, just straight Democratic message. I I gotta keep it always real talk. I gotta have. I gotta you say don't this. Have to. this is what people this, are saying. You can bring the people, 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 people are saying what they're saying. I'm okay. asking you. You're here. Mm-hmm. You're able to hear. Some people are saying that they don't have a chance to hear the response. Mm-hmm. Right? They're not watching CNN all the time. They're not watching CNBC. They're working, trying to take care of the family, but they look at always real talk because they get it on their phone. So you agree with me? You just raising other points of view. Is Absolute. that it? Absolutely. Oh, terrific. Then. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I was getting lost a little bit in your words. Well, you got lost last time. <laughs> you always get lost when you come up here. That's, that's what litigators do when you. <laughs> agree with them fully the first time, but let's 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 walk it back and talk about poor, uh, uh, pure numbers. Okay, right mm-hmm. now, where are the Democrats going to get their numbers from to actually win this election? How's Biden going to beat Donald Trump? And let's talk about the numbers. You know, is will there be will Biden win two to three percent of the white woman vote? Come back to the Democratic Party. You know, two, two, two to three percent more. No, two. Yeah, come back. So right now it was fifty-three percent voted for voted for Bush, right? Mm-hmm. So real question is, and this is where everyone's talking about. They they don't really talk about the news too much because you know they're like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know if we want to go there. I always go there because always real talk. White women, fifty-three percent voted for Donald Trump. If we don't get that number back, then I, I mean I don't know. That's not true though. Okay, they, well, they did vote for they, him. Don't no, no, I agree number, with you there. Is that factual that fifty-three percent voted for Donald Trump? That's true. Okay, that's so, true. And, and, and so if you don't, it's a couple things that happen. You have to get some of those back, right? That'd be nice, well, well, but I wouldn't well, use the well, word need. Well, well so, I'm, I'm, give me some options. Okay, here are the options. Well, I'm gonna give you the options, okay. and you ask me to agree. Mm-hmm. One, you gotta either get some of those back. You gotta increase. So and then you have the Hispanic vote. Right, and you had, I believe, twenty three. I can't remember off the top of my head. Percent of the Hispanic men voted for Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you had a greater percentage vote of women that voted for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And then you had, I mean, black women just they're, they're not voting for Donald Trump, right? I mean, I don't know how many more you can get back. I mean, I think they're at eighty nine, ninety two, ninety six. <laughs> I, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Then you had black men. So either a couple things have to happen. Got to get some white women to come back and vote for the Democratic Party. You got to increase the turnout in the minority community and get the spread to make those numbers work. Mm-hmm. Those are the options, Scott. Yeah. So let's start with a couple re- reality checks. The the white voters have left the Democratic Party and they're not coming back. Uh, a Democratic nominee for president has not won the majority of white voters since 1964, uh, especially since Johnson passed the Civil Rights right. Act and the House Fair Housing Act. And they're not coming back. The Democratic presidents since 1964 who have won, Clinton, Barack Obama, and Carter, didn't win with the majority of white voters. They won with increased turnout of voters of color. And so if that's instructive at all, that means we have to have the the main option is increasing voter turnout among African Americans and uh, Hispanic Americans. So that's the lead piece. Secondly, if the objective is to beat Donald Trump, 
then we pull those independents and those moderate Republicans who would come to a Joe Biden, but under no circumstances would vote for Hillary Clinton because of the email, the server scandal, scandal. You had the Comey effect in 2016 where he reinvestigated and then pulled back, which I think had a profound impact on independents and moderate Republicans who were thinking about voting for a deeply flawed candidate in, in Hillary Clinton. Uh, thirdly, um, Biden has to win, and we think he will win based on the turnout in these primaries, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Had Trump not won those, Hillary Clinton would be the president. And remember, she beat him by three million oh, votes. Oh, oh, okay? hold on, hold on. I, hear, I, hear, I hear some sort of prediction from Scott Bolden. I think if those things I know, happen, I know, I just want to know, Trump is not going well, to win. I want, you know, I want, this is important. Mm -hmm. I was going to get there, but you, you know, mm -hmm. you still didn't answer my question about how you're going to I just it. told you. I, well, you I know, did. You, you, you Independents, moderate Republicans that are going to vote for Biden, and they didn't like Hillary. I asked you, was, it, okay. was, it, was you know, we're going to get more white women to come back to the Democratic Party. Don't need them. Okay. They're, They're not dispositive okay. okay. of winning. And that's what you said? Mm -hmm. I said, then are we going to increase the, the turnout for minorities that, we, said that. that yes. will come out and vote yes. you know, for Biden? Yes. And you believe that's the prediction? Yes. Okay. Then, then we're going to go back to the state. By the way, I didn't mean we don't need white women voters. I, know. I, I commented that those who wouldn't vote for Hillary are more likely to, to vote, vote for, for Biden. Biden. So we do need them. But they are they would be awesome. That would increase the margin of victory. That, okay. So let's go back to Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. You believe the Democratic Party is going to win Pennsylvania? Yeah, absolutely. Because Biden is a, is a son of a neighboring state. Uh, he grew up in Pennsylvania. And remember, he's got huge union support. They trust him. All the union, not every union trusted Hillary Clinton. And so you have a far better candidate, despite his gas and he's not a great debater and stuff. Uh, people trust him. People trust Biden. He's a steady hand. And he was a Barack Obama's right-hand okay. man. So, and so he's living off that and standing on that. So Pennsylvania, we will say, Scott Bolden thinks yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Scott, I do. Scott Bolden thinks Ohio, too? Ohio is so on... Ohio That's is, a yes or no. So, Scott, I want a yes or no. I, I don't know. So, okay, I so don't know. I like that answer. You don't know. Because you got a lot of farmers so, in Ohio okay, been hurt by the tariffs. So let's, let's, get to, let's get to the unknown. Okay. We'll say, you say Wisconsin because he's actually going to go and campaign there. Oh, the DNC. He, right. right. He's going to so, campaign he's, he's a gonna, better candidate. And, and the DNC convention is in Milwaukee. Okay, so I'll, mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll walk down that path with you. Mm -hmm. How about Florida, Scott? I think Florida so is yes going to turn no, blue. Yes, and but I but but see, you I, can't I, I, say yes or no. It's just a yes or no, Scott. Okay. I mean, either you either we got yes, I now predict. Or we don't, right? All but your know, but your viewing John audience and listening audience needs out. to know that the reason I would pick Florida to go blue is because there are over a million returning citizens who now have the right to register and to vote. That's a huge amount, and the courts have just said they don't have to pay their fines in order to vote. So now they have an opportunity to vote. You register them and get 50% of them, who could never vote before, 50% of them at least, to vote in the Democratic primary or in, in, the, in the general election. Uh, Florida's going blue. Then it's blue. So then let's go back to numbers. Okay. Been around campaigns. You've been around campaigns. Mm -hmm. we always, mm -hmm. Everyone always talks about, oh, this is what we need to do. But you gotta follow the money, Scott. Mm -hmm. If mm -hmm. the money is not behind it, then it doesn't mm -hmm. make any difference. Mm -hmm. And when you see the amount of money that's been raised in these campaigns, and less than ten percent is going to an area that you just mentioned, and I believe that has to be targeted mm -hmm. effectively to get people out. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? If um, you if you only if you only spending 
10, less than 10% of your money focused on the target area that you need a 90% outcome, I don't think you get there that way. Well, it's still early, and you don't get there that way. So, I think and, it's still and, and, early. And this has historically been that way. Right. We've looked at the amount of money that people have spent on the campaign so far, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. still less than 10% of this money. And it's probably been, you know, what, a couple billion dollars that have been spent so far. Well, right? so, <laughs> so you start to think about less than 10% of that is targeted to an area that's absolutely critical and needed in order to win the White House back. Well, uh, is that going to change? That's got to change. Tom Perez, I hope you're listening, right? Because you're going to have to spend money on black media, black press, black organizers, and black consultants and put them on the ground in these urban centers and black communities, you know, not only just to register, but to deliver votes to uh, the polls and make sure their vote counts. You can only do that with money. Uh, Bloomberg got out of the race. He just invested $2 million in a nonprofit to register African Americans and other people of color to Scott, vote in Scott, these communities. Scott, 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 $2 million. It's a drop in the bucket. I mean, you spent $500 million. Let me tell you, let me tell you. And you say, you know, we're going to spend $2 million and we're going to get these people of color. And people of color well, that's are blacks start. and those are spent. And not to, not, to down with, not to down what Bloomberg is doing, but my point exactly. <laughs> Is that you know this is this I mean two million. It's early. It's early. You can't judge the first two million. I use that as an example, which was not the ceiling. That's the base. That's the floor. But but contributions like that, investments like that, by our own black billionaires and multi-millionaires and athletes and entertainers, because getting people to vote is huge in getting the Republicans in the White House right now out. Scott, so we got twenty five twenty five states targeted. Mm-hmm. Two million dollars. Mm-hmm. That's more than the. Well, are you bragging or complaining? You're going to reject it because it's not enough. No, I'm, we're going back. No, see, see what you're. What you're <laughs> so doing, I take the no, two million no, what you're, and encourage no, what others what to give as well. What you're doing as a litigator is you're being defensive to what I'm saying. Well, I'm not defensive. Yes, you are. Because you say, what are you going to do? Well, my point is, my point I'm is, just, I'm, the point I'm, I'm making trying is that to if in fact make your argument, your counter argument, cogent. And right now, it's not cogent. No, it is. Grandma, <laughs> grandma understands. <laughs> What grandma understands right now is that we need to get people of color to come out and vote. And in order okay. in order to win the election, that has to happen. Okay. And grandma understands it's been three, four billion dollars spent and it's been less than, you know, fifty million dollars spent on an area that they actually need to get more people out. So this is not a uh, um, this is not a dig. This is about saying the Democratic Party needs to wake up and put the resources and money in the areas that they actually need to win. I agree. And if they don't then we'll be having a conversation about Trump winning and they say, well, you know, minorities didn't come out and vote like they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and people are like, I think people, especially young people, they're getting tired of hearing about that, right? <laughs> right. You got young consultants, you got young mm-hmm. political analysts, you got people in the field, people working hard, and they know no money. Now they know, mm-hmm. right? They're, mm-hmm. they're 30 years old. They know the money's not coming, mm-hmm. right? It mm-hmm. comes, but don't come to them. Right. So the Democratic Party, whether it's Perez or whoever, however long he lasts, mm-hmm. um, you know, they should, you know. But you got to remember, you know, too, Biden... Uh, once we get a nominee, all the money that's been, that has been spent, either by the DNC or the Democratic candidates, you got to remember the first two states uh, did not have uh, Af- uh, large African American communities or voters, and you had at least twenty-two people on the de- in the Democratic side running for president. Now that that now we're down to essentially two people, uh, there's more money because a lot of investors or a lot of contributors. A big contributors, whether it's for, to a super PAC or other, were holding their money back. Now we're going to go all in on Biden, right? And Biden owes his candidacy. 
the survival and the success of it to South Carolina and to Jim Clyburn, right? I often ask the question when um, I'm doing commentary on other stations, what does Joe Biden owe black America and what debt? How do you describe the debt he owes to black America and what is black America going to demand? Well, right? I, mean, I mean, one thing we need what, to demand is investment in our African-American communities to get out the vote, deliver those votes, to deliver a win for Biden and the DNC, and to value us, not expect us to vote for you, but to demonstrate value by investing in us, in our get out the vote, in the black press, the National Newspaper Publishers Association, and um, uh, Ben Chavis, uh, and really demonstrate not only that you appreciate our vote and America's commitment to democratic values, but to, to ensure your victory. It is in your interest, Democrats and the DNC and Joe Biden, to invest with these consultants and people on the ground because if you invest, you win. If you don't invest, you may win. Well, well we know history has shown us, and I can go way mm-hmm. back in history, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, I had an old man that worked mm-hmm. on every presidential campaign. Exactly. It was always a fight to get money. Money never was ever there. We mm-hmm. always did more with little. We always delivered more than they thought with the little bit that they gave us, mm-hmm. and they continued not to give us enough money mm-hmm. to really run an effective I think that'll campaign. change this so year. I think because Clyburn in South mm-hmm. Carolina, mm-hmm. and because of, of, of the men and women that, that jumped up and really said, hold up, you know, we're going to take mm-hmm. Biden over the, over the edge, I think Congressman Clyburn is going to be very clear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be a little different. In the past, mm-hmm. I do too. In the past, what you have, you know, you have a, a black person. They say, "Oh, you should do this." You do, and they're right, mm-hmm. right? But then no one listens. But I think there's no one in the country mm-hmm. that can deny the fact that South Carolina and black people have brought Joe Biden to where he is. Exactly. Today, right. So the question becomes, when will people have an agenda? And I do believe it needs to be an economic agenda, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and the economic agenda starts with spending money in the right places in the minority communities to get out the minority vote. With no question. And when I say... When With I say, no debate. And when I say spend the money, see, people say, we want you to spend money. And I say, yeah, we're going to give you $2 million. Man, y'all go out there and do that. And then there'll be, a, there'll be an article in Black Enterprise, we're $2 million to get, mm-hmm. get out the vote. Come on, we all know that's been doing this work. That's, that's it's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket, Come right? On. So when you talk about you're going to spend 30 to 40% money, Mm-hmm in the black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And that's why, shout out to Roland Martin, uh, mm-hmm. Roland Martin Unfiltered, because he's been, you know, really yeah, fighting this yeah. thing for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Amy, think about Amy Kobacher. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, she wasn't going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had people, Scott, 30 days ago, yeah. that wouldn't even come on a black press mm-hmm. station, wouldn't even mm-hmm. be interviewed by the black press, right? right? Mm-hmm. And we sat here and said, you're going to need money. And they said, you're going to mm-hmm. need minority votes to come up. Mm-hmm. So as we move forward, where do you think Trump's going to lose? You said Pennsylvania. Will Trump win Virginia? No. Uh, I think Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia is too blue. And I'll be honest with you, as you go south in that state, I'm no expert on Virginia politics, so forgive me, my friends from Virginia, my political friends from Virginia. But uh, we've got a Democratic House and Senate, uh, State House and Senate, and you've got a Democrat as governor. You're probably going to keep a Democrat as governor. It's only one term. But I think in 2018, where you saw... Uh, the state house and senate go Democrat. That's a telltale sign. Those were those were statewide elections in various districts and stuff. And uh, the drive to get Donald Trump out, and the political noise and the, the you know all the problems that come along with Donald Trump. Uh, the good folks of Virginia, the voters, unless you get kind of down into the uh, southern Virginia and maybe uh, far 
uh, in West, as close as you get to West Virginia. Uh, I think they've had enough, and they believe in Biden. They may not believe in Bernie Casey or AOC because that's just too progressive for them. But I think Virginia stays blue. Uh, or goes like, blue, I guess, because oh no, um, Clinton won Virginia in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I think it stays blue. I think Florida, uh, Texas is would be a huge prize, and it's been primed to turn Scott, blue you're, you're, the last you're, 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 uh, four to four to eight you're years. You're pushing it, but you're it's not it. there. Yeah, okay. I am. I thought she was. I, about, I thought she was about yeah. to tell me that you thought yeah. Texas might take it's, it's, <laughs> it's part hope and part and and part looking at the numbers and. Probably more hope more than anything, hope. but it's got the possibility. In and the future. The other thing is, watch this. The Senate races, the Dems taking back the Senate is as important, if not more, than the presidency. And i got to tell you, if you're really interested in the Senate and what it all means, uh, the Inslee race in the state of Washington, That's a good one. Uh, the, the, the Kentucky, Kentucky race, race with the Senate majority with Amy McGrath, Mississippi. Uh, the South Carolina, or is it North Carolina against Graham, uh-huh. the uh, South, Carolina. South Carolina with Graham, the African-American brother who used to be the state Absolutely. party chair. Who's oh, you're South Carolina. Guy. What is his name? I'm sorry. I see his face. He's, he's running neck and neck uh, against uh, Graham. Uh, these are serious races. And if you're going to invest time, money, and resources, those are the races to take because I think you need, the Dems need to win, need to turn six seats while maintaining their own seats on the Senate side. And the worse this economy gets, and I don't hope, I hope it doesn't get worse, but, but Donald Trump claims credit for this economy, but he's driving the negatives in the economy down because of his rhetoric and because of his disbelief and his lack of intelligence and leadership. Uh, You've got to look at the Senate because it becomes more of a possibility if this corona piece uh, doesn't get fixed right away. We're being told as business leaders that the next five to seven um, uh, weeks is going to be really it's tough. Be we tested per per capita, and you know what? We are so I wish far I could pull behind. That chart up. I wish you could too. We are so far behind that potentially, when the virus begins to really spread or it manifests itself right. or becomes symptomatic, that our hotels, whether they can keep up or not, treat and test or even quarantine. The only way you're going to stop this virus is two things. And this is just based on my review and listening to what the scientists have have been saying uh, publicly is to quarantine. Do we have space to quarantine? That's not really clear anywhere in the country. Or two, testing. Quarantine and testing. That's how you stop it and you get beyond it. So if we don't have the tests, and you can debate that if you want, but, but even the leading doctor who testified before the House or the Senate yesterday or a couple of days ago yeah, it of days. said it's going to get worse before it gets better. That means we're not going to have enough tests or space to quarantine. And we don't have the resources to build a hospital in a week or two like China did. Yeah, but Scott, are you, are you saying that's, that's President Trump's fault that this take place? Yes, I think he's been in denial. He said this was going to go away in a few days and it's gotten no, worse. No, he said no, everyone no, can said, have no, a I test. Said, I said, is it his fault? Not yes. How, not how he feels, how he responds. No. We understand how he responds. But we can right? only follow his rhetoric. No, and his rhetoric has been completely inconsistent with what his leading scientists and doctors so have been telling this, the public so, so is this in the last week or two. Kids? Is it whose fault? Is, is it the president's fault that we don't yes, have kits available? Because he has the levers to move this federal government, <laughs> and he certainly <laughs> hadn't done that. He's hadn't done that, and he's been misleading trying trying to calm the markets because all he cares about is running on the economy and getting reelected. I mean, but shouldn't the president, I think the president should do both. The sure. President, the president should try to calm the markets. The president should 
be honest and be honest about where we are. Just tell the truth. We need to go. He's not but telling the truth to if, the American if, people. If he had told the truth, are you forgiving him for that? No, I'm not. You no. sound like you're apologizing for him not telling the truth. No, I'm just really concerned about the virus. I'm concerned about where we are and real exactly. people. I'm not concerned about the politics. I'm just messing right? with you. So when you get you there, didn't take the bait. No, I you didn't, didn't take no, the bait. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because one, this virus is real. It is real. And this virus is, mm -hmm. is serious, and, and it's going to get. You know, we have a public segment coming up, and we're just going to be talking about that. Mm -hmm. People are talking about, I mean, what are you talking about? You go into yoga class. I mean, people are still yeah. doing things yeah. that, you know, you really need to stop. For, and and for, the economy would be negatively impacted by uh, the underbelly of what you're not seeing, like the stock seeing. market. So, for example, uh, if this thing isn't gone by the summer, you've got conventions that are being canceled. By the summer, it's I mean, gala season. The gala season right now in D.C. and elsewhere they're all being canceled, and the hotels, they're locked into these contracts, and now we have a one a national emergency in D.C. These nonprofits who get maybe 75 to 80% of their income from the gala that they do in the spring. spring is now there. You know, I used to run a nonprofit. It, exactly. And that's where you get a lot of your money from. I got to tell you, uh, I, I'm general counsel and sit on the board of the uh, Greater Washington Urban League, and our discussions um, uh, are, are looking at, on one hand, we're on a national uh, emergency from the mayor. On the other hand, sure, we'd love to postpone it. On the other hand, we need the money. You, you can't afford. You how can't do you afford lead? Money. How does? How do you lead as a CEO when you got those three buckets facing you? It's, well, it's tough. Well, it's a couple things. I, 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 and then the layoffs will begin. Not, I'm not talking about uh, urban league layoff. No, you're talking about this. I'm talking about just general. Watch the coronavirus layoffs spread across the business community because of either these cancellations, these postponements, or uh, teleworking uh, or telecommuting uh, and what have you. The ramifications from being behind the eight ball on this virus and not being able to treat it like uh, Singapore did or even China once they got a hold of it uh, is going to wreak havoc on the economy. And I think that's going to hurt uh, Trump's re-election uh, campaign as well because he was in denial for two I, I, or three I, I, years. I think he's going to bring it back. To I, I'm not politicizing the what coronavirus. I want I want it to be. A, I want to be no, properly addressed. I know, I, know, I know you do. I know you're sensitive about it. But, I know. I know you got family. But he does. You really care. He politicizes the coronavirus. Well, I, I, now I tell you what, then Scott. What's that? It'd be interesting when you come back on the show. Mm -hmm. Let's say I don't know. Three weeks, two weeks, or whatever. We will mm -hmm. we'll do have you on as much as you want. If Donald no, Trump no, gets reelected, it's more gets, about America if, than him. No, but watch this. If it's, in fact, if in fact, the coronavirus is tackled mm -hmm. and we get through it, I hope we do by, by May. If in fact, and I'll give Trump credit if, for if that. If that, the market starts to come back, mm -hmm. right? He takes credit for that. How does Joe? How does Joe Biden win re-election? Well, he he certainly wins by talking about health care. He wins talking about the economy and the jobs growing even better and the prior work he did with the Barack Obama administration. He talks about climate change and he talks about human decency and that this is a valued election. Are you going to vote for Trump's values that are not rooted in American tradition and values or are you going to vote for American values that you and our diversity makes America great again? That's the real make America great again because Trump's values and his leadership and his dishonesty and his lack of authenticity has hurt America here and abroad. In many respects, it's cost us lives abroad. And then his support or embrace of, um, of authoritarian regimes, 
uh, his uh, lack of wanting to invest in the protection of our elections, his uh, inviting uh, foreign countries into our election system vis-a-vis -vis what he did with Biden and his son, uh, those aren't American values. Whether you support Trump or not, you know those aren't American values. And after four years, I think Americans, independents, Democrats, and some moderate Republicans are exhausted by this. And so to relieve their exhaustion, they're going to vote for Biden. They're going to vote for a value that is rooted in the American democracy. And if they make that decision, I remain confident that we're going to have a new president sworn in in January. Scott Bolin for vice president. <laughs> Let's get Scott Bolin on that. On that That's ticket. not an endorsement of Biden. I just think I'm Biden saying, is I'm going saying, to win. I'm saying, you know, whoever, you didn't need to talk to Scott Bolin because right. you're so eloquent. You <laughs> I mean, it I comes mean, from the heart well, I mean, and from what we've been living through the last three yeah, you years. Just, because you believe that values are going to, it's going to supersede everything in the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. You believe values are going to supersede, supersede the pocketbook. I think the pocketbook will right. continue. It doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I think this economy, while, it, while it's predicted by, in some quarters to have its challenges going forward, most people are going to say, if we have a recession, if with this growth is limited, then I certainly like a steady hand. I'd like someone that is reasonable and valued, whose values are rooted in truth and authenticity and leadership and a proven record, as opposed to someone who is shaking up the economy and the politics in America and wants to transform America into something that we are totally unfamiliar with. Well, no, that's I mean, the that, struggle. I mean, that, that, that's, that's part of the story. And then I mm -hmm. think there were some that would say, hey, if in fact we're going through a recession, if in fact the financial markets are not recovering, if in fact we need some sort of leadership, that's, mm -hmm. then they're going to say, well, how are you going to pay for this health care? How are you going to pay for uh, you know, this free college tuition? How are you going to pay for all the list of items that the Democrats have lined up? How are they going to fund that and still keep this thing afloat? I mean, some people say that the Senate, and as we go back to the Senate race, mm -hmm. you go back to the House race, that those may be more, more importantly to make sure that we have proper tools in place to, to, to curb our spending. Well, and, that's, I, and that's what conservatives are saying. Do they have a point? Well, no, they don't have a point because they threw a, a they, they, they tore a $3 billion hole in the budget deficit, well, adding did. to it. Everyone did, Scott. Well, Barack Obama, uh, the deficit increased because... He had a $900 billion uh, investment package to get the economy going after the GOP president, Bush too ran it to the ground. See, there's context to all of this. Yeah, but I'm saying in order... So you're going to have to reverse and, and, those and, and, tax cuts. In order cuts. to create it, it's got to come out the House and it's got to come out the Senate. Is that correct? Say that again? In order to create this deficit, there's votes in the House and there's votes in the Senate. Yeah. All right, Democrats control the House mm -hmm. and the Senate control... And the Republicans control the Senate. For now. I'm not, no, 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 no. So, mm -hmm. I'm go back to your point. You said this was created. Well, at right? the time... And so, I'm saying... The Republicans... Everyone played a hand in creating this deficit. The Republican created the hand in this $3 billion add to the deficit. By themselves? Yes, because they controlled the House and Senate for two years under, uh, under uh, Trump. Those tax cuts that added $3 billion gap, that reduced taxes for rich people, for the wealthy, as well as the corporations. The Republicans drove that initiative. So you believe... And here's another one. Drove, so you believe that if you eliminate those tax incentives and you put those in other areas, that's what America wants, and that's what's going to help Joe Biden win back to the White House. 
Well, uh, you when you put 20 people, million people... You're going to take, take money from people that are that, that now are benefiting from that. You're not taking money from well, people. You, you, you they're paying it. less into the budget so because less. these tax cuts, so and America more. can't afford those tax cuts. We can't take care of everyone. Our social programs, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, the Republicans want to want to gut that to pay for these tax cuts because there's not enough income coming in. It's, it's uh, macroeconomics. I, I didn't do well in microeconomics, but I know macroeconomics from Morehouse <laughs> College. And let me tell you something. You're not going to cut those social programs. You can do it if you want to convince white Republicans in southern states that it's okay. But they're the biggest beneficiaries of, of Medicaid, Medicare, and uh, Social Security programs. And so it's illogical for the Republicans to try to sell that because you're not convincing the Democrats of that. You're going to have to do something about these tax cuts to generate more tax revenue to pay for that safety net. You can say we're going to invest in the economy and everyone's going to have a job and so forth and so on. But okay, how's that working? Are we better off today than we were before the tax cut? And I got to tell you, corporations and the wealthy Americans certainly are, but working class Americans, middle class Americans certainly don't feel they're doing better. Do they get another hundred or thousand dollars in one check? Okay, that was months ago. That was a year ago, right? That's not economic development or empowerment. Uh, that's just giving me a little money to make me feel good and to make me feel good about the president who allegedly gave it to me for some period of time. That's not economics. So, okay. That's not American values. We have got to do better. And we cannot cut those safe, those social programs that benefit so many people of the poor population of the working class. Well, you know, I, you know, I'm a true believer in making sure that the low class, the middle class, and I, about middle class and lower mm -hmm. class, you know, get an opportunity to participate because they're struggling, mm -hmm. right? That's what I say. The economy's doing. And well if this economy is so and, great, and, and, how come they're still struggling? Well, there's a lot of middle class people that are doing better than they were, Sky. There are people that I know. Saying how do you they, measure that? Well, because because you got a little bit more money in your bank, well, or you got a job, secu you well, got job security. I talk to them and they say, "Hey, mm. man, I'm doing better, but I want other people to do better too." And right now, other people aren't doing well, better. Well, how come immigration's not down? Immigration is up. Notwithstanding how uh, how uh, how racist our policies are, that we got a hundreds of thousands of people waiting in camps in Mexico. They're still coming here trying to get jobs, right? And by the way, corporate America is still hiring them. Now, if I'm hiring immigrants, illegal immigrants, including the president, and you've got a, Americans who are struggling to find jobs, good-paying jobs, wages aren't going up, <laughs> tell me what the game plan is Scott, as a Republican administration. Scott, let me just say this. I mean, there are, you know, local... Um, you agree with those facts, right? Because those are facts. Yeah, but I agree with the fact. There are also facts that there are people of color in these major cities that are mm -hmm. in control that are, are not taking advantage and making sure that they are middle class and low-income. Oh, low that's another show. So don't, don't you got that. That, that. Really, so that's another show we got to talk about. I'm always real talk. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing all these people, you know, say, oh, we got to do yeah, The brother in Chicago this. who held yeah. up this uh, $700 million development downtown and called out Lori um, uh, Lightfoot, the new mayor of yeah. Chicago, and said, what, what, how many people of color or minorities are going to be on this project and the developer responded, well, we're going to look at payroll and we're going to look at this and, and use our best efforts. And, well, 
I mean, look. As opposed to honoring the requirement under the law. Well, and you have right now in the District of Columbia the hotel deal that's up in Columbia Heights, and they gave them that close to the home, right? And then and they they didn't hit none of those numbers, and now they're saying, hey, we still want the TIF. I mean, so I mean, I'm gonna gonna, gonna say, you know, I keep it always real talk. You Mm -hmm. got too many people of color that are in these positions. And they are, should be held accountable. Just because you're black don't mean you should get a free ride. That's right. And until people of color hold other people that are in mm-hmm. positions that are making the decision, mm-hmm. then, you know, then we're going to have what you have. It's Where are the Marion Berries and the Maynard Jacksons in 2020 in mayoral leadership roles or leaders of the oh. House or state houses or Senate who, who will stand up and say, you don't get the TIF. Uh, you don't get this uh, tax break until you have some diverse numbers that are going to be making real dollars on this project. This diversity is a, if you have diversity on your team, whatever industry, it is a stronger team. And I'm not talking about diversity of thought. I'm talking about diversity of life experiences of people of color or sexual orientation. And that's got to be the rule. And you've got to be prepared as a as a business or political leader, whether you're the mayor or the head of the council, to stand on that principle because you pass the law and enforce it in order to uh, develop our communities. It's not blocking development and making our communities better. It's investing in our communities with persons who want to invest, but they have to believe in diversity in order to get the city's help to do that. That should be a fundamental rule. Ab- absolutely, and at the same time. And you know, oh. when you were on the council, you were a leading advocate of this and were unafraid, unafraid. to stand up and say, pro- we're not going to do this. And that's probably why I'm not on the council. <laughs> you, you're too honest. And, and, and I think right. that's, what I put, that's what people say, hey man, that's all right. we right. I'm not messing around with that. Exactly. But I mean, at the same time, I think that we as citizens, no matter where you live, mm-hmm. need to hold your, represent- your representatives mm-hmm. accountable no matter who they are, yep. right, yep. to make sure that there's allocation. I mean, we just mm-hmm. talked about the campaign, mm-hmm. right? All these billion dollars, less than 5%, 10% mm-hmm. going to, to, to a, a, a mm-hmm. area of people that they have to get out to win the election and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So but I want to just end and, and kind of talk about uh, Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to talk about Cory Booker. <laughs> I got to talk about Cory our good I mean, friend Cory Booker. I like Cory Booker, you know. I like Cory Booker. I like Cory. I like Senator Booker. I mean, I think he got a lot of tricks up his sleeve, but I like I like Cory Booker, man. And I was, you know, I like supported him, thinking this is a great guy when he was the mayor. And I'm sitting here, Scott, and this guy's going to say that Congressman Clyburn told him mm-hmm. that Joe Biden was an honorary black man. <laughs> And I'm just, you know, I start to step back and I start thinking, my father's mm-hmm. birthday was yesterday, mm-hmm. and I start reflecting. And, he, and if he was here, he would probably say, man, what was that boy? He'll say boy. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> right, and right. not in a bad way. Don't call me. Don't email me. Don't tweet me. <laughs> you know, I'm using this in context of what he if would say. If you knew his daddy, you won't call him. You won't call me. If you call me, I'm going to give you my daddy. <laughs> right. He's going to be him responding to it. Right, right, but he said, right. what is this boy doing, you know, <laughs> talking to the press? Mm-hmm. About a private conversation or a conversation he overheard mm-hmm. about Congressman Clyburn. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm gonna kind of put you on the spot a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think that that was a little dig at Congressman Clyburn? Because he didn't have to say that. He didn't mm-hmm. even have to mention it. Was that his kind of backslap way of saying something and about the Democratic establishment, which he has problems with? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a black man. You a black right. man. I mean, you an HBCU. I'm right. an HBCU. Now, right. I know he ain't go to no HBCU, but he, he's, <laughs> but he's running around talking about how much he loves black people. We need to do more for all the poor people, black people. And he says he's black. 
I wouldn't have done nothing like that well, without some sort of motive. Well, it's certainly unnecessary. Uh, it could be seen as a dig. I'd like to know the context. First of all, I'm not sure why he's, secondly rather, I'm not sure why he's sharing his private conversations. That's my with point, the, Scott. With the, with the uh, number three in the There house. goes there my Morehouse is. guy. The first thing that? the Morehouse guy right. says, I don't know what he's doing right. sharing right. a private right. conversation right. anyway. Exactly. You know, and what, he said it to the right. national press. You know, I got a saying that, you know, when I'm talking to people, whether I represent them or not, whether it's attorney-client privilege or not, I said, listen, whatever we talk about in this office, you ain't going to run into it on the street. Yeah. You ain't going to run into it the hallway. You know what I mean and, by and that. I will you ain't going to run into I, it. I will say this, guy. Mm-hmm. A. Scott Bolden. Mm-hmm. I, I believe a lot of attorneys in town are full of shit. Mm-hmm. And you talk to them, and the next thing you know, somebody else heard it. <laughs> right. That's how it is in this town. Mm-hmm. So my trust level for attorneys is all-time low. But you, I must say, a man of your word. I talk to Scott, to you're not going to hear about it. Because, you know, there's a lot of bed pillows sleeping, a lot of all that <laughs> stuff going on in city. City not that small. You know, you find out real quick, right? People get to drink and they get to say whatever they get to say. <laughs> right. Don't tell nobody but right. what I heard, right? right? right. And the right. only way they could have heard it, because it was only a two-person conversation, exactly. is somebody had to exactly. say it. So, shout out, A. No, I appreciate it, I can't man. mention your law firm online, but look, this guy, he's Scott Bowden, <laughs> one of the best, best litigators, attorneys in the District of Columbia, and, no matter you know, what situation. And I've been doing it for 30 period. years in D.C., and, and, and I appreciate your comments. And I've represented lots of different politicians, elected officials, business leaders, and others. And I remember when I first met uh, my wife, Erica, about 10 years ago, we were talking, and she said, you know, you should have represented a lot of people in, in, in the district and around the country. I said, yeah. She said, you know, aren't you worried about having all those secrets and keeping all those secrets? And I remember telling her, no, I'm worried about it because as long as you don't hear about those secrets, I'm in good stead. Yeah, the first good. time, <laughs> so about the third party starts hearing about those secrets. And it happens. It happens. It happens. I'm going to be on the run. And it'll be happening <laughs> when you don't even know it. You'll be like... You don't even tell a person you heard it. She but said, you're going to be on your own if you start talking. I said, I, I, I've kept stuff for 30 years. I, I'm a second-generation lawyer. Um, Absolutely. And the old man, very, uh, obviously, exactly, in the state of Illinois, he's 86'6 now and oh. still sharp as ever. Uh, not getting around as like, like he used to, but I got to tell you, I've been around the law for 57 years. And I grew up watching him try cases, and he's one of the most honorable and brightest men I know, other than your daddy, of course, but your dad wasn't a lawyer. But, but I've learned about justice and authenticity and integrity and, and this, third, this um, um, uh, what do you call it, attorney-client privilege. Uh, and I respect it. I respect the profession. And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just not something I do and nor should any other attorney do. Even if you're feeling good about yourself and your practice and you're representing an Albert Hainsworth or you're representing a Marion Barry or you're representing uh, other politicians from around the country, uh, it's just it just shouldn't be on the table. You know, you don't have to worry about telling telling on your clients or sharing secrets if it's not on the table. If it's not on the table. If it ain't on the table. If it ain't on the table. That, that's, you got to do it. That's the most thing. So, look, back to this Cory Booker. I mean, I mean, do you think he was trying to underhandle you? you know, I, again, I don't know. I know you, Maybe. I don't understand the purpose on saying that. And, and the idea of, of Biden being an honorary black man, my gut is I would hope that the two of them, which makes it kind of worse, that they were talking one-on-one, jokingly, if you will, uh, offline. And if he shared that or shared that he got that from uh, Clyburn, uh, I don't think Clyburn, in a, in, a, in a formal setting, would ever say that. And I don't think Clyburn would ever say that unless he felt he was in a trusted conversation. And so if Booker 
uh, uh, disclose that, whether he meant to or not, or whether he had some purpose or intent. Uh, I don't think it was appropriate, and it's all up to Jim Clyburn, whether he cares or not. Oh, no, no, not. let me you tell you, I mean? and he might not care, but I right. care, and I think mm-hmm. it was totally disrespectful, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what we have and sometimes Maybe. in our community. It's totally disrespectful mm-hmm. to try to put uh, Congressman Clyburn in his pickle after he, you know, here is Congressman Clyburn being credited for single-handedly, you know, galvanizing and getting South Carolinas to get behind Joe Biden at a time mm-hmm. when people were running from Joe. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck Brown said, run Joe, run Joe. People were running, <laughs> right? And he, run and he, as he, as he run as you can. fast as you can, uh-huh. and he took time uh-huh. to do that. And then here he is on a high, and here come another brother. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting in the way, you know, he said he's an honorary black man. After Cory Booker just talked about Joe Biden mm-hmm. in the debates, about how it, about the crime bill, mm-hmm. right? So all this stuff just is a little little funny. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, you know, Cory Booker mm-hmm. gets the always real tall donut head <laughs> of the day. He gets it. Yeah, he gets it. He's he, a good guy. He, he, he made might, maybe he made a mistake, but overall, his voting record and his leadership in uh, as a senator and also in uh, the state of Jer- uh, New Jersey. He's got a strong record to run on. Let's not forget that. Oh, I think he gets the donut head, though. He does, but he can redeem himself. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because when you reach out to him and try to get him to come on the show, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, you got, you know, I got some trouble. I want to stay away from it. But here he is, the donut man, you know, <laughs> doing the donut move. Maybe he'll come on now. Hey, Maybe he'll come on like, now. goodness great. And I like the guy. All right. And I know he made no, a mistake. No, no, no. I've raised money for him. Right. And what I'm saying is that could have been, been a mistake. Mm-hmm. I love a story. Mm-hmm. But I want people at home. Especially young people. Don't go do nothing. That's stupid. Because that's stupid. That's right. not what you do. Right. right. All right, look. It's A. Scott Bowden. A. Scott Bowden and Always Real Talk. It's Politics 2020. But more importantly, you know, it's always good to hear what you, your perspective, what you got to say. My good brother. being with you, too. You know, you know, as we move forward, you know, it's okay for you to ask me questions, too, now. I asked you a few. You, you, you did. You, you, you did. We ought to do a show where you and I do a and a of each other and on and without preparation for any topic. In like the politics that. and economic at the intersection any, of any, politics, any. business, and race, right? Okay. And it'd be a Q and A back and forth. I don't know how long, how much time you would have to do a show like that. And we have to answer, and we can only have answers in thirty to one minute increments because both you, you and I can talk forever. Well, you know that'd be good, fun. Well, the good thing about it, you know, I, I think I might let A. Scott Bowden <laughs> do the interview, the Kwame Brown. Interview. I'd love to do it. All you know, no. <laughs> No pre-questions. No holes bar. Those holes bar. <laughs> right. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna. Right. I'm gonna now. You know, we can make that decision. We're we'll gonna do, do it. And A. Scott Bowden <laughs> is gonna be the one to love to do. It. Love to come. And back. You know, I'm gonna keep it real. Of course. And no I know you. But it. I know anything what you. Uh-huh. You gonna keep it real too, so it's gonna be lively. You, you caught some of my answers today, uh, talking points, but Wait. you know they can be real talking points. They can be real talk and talking points. You know I can't help it if it, it, they they're both. Maybe they just sound so smooth. <laughs> That's what. Maybe they just so smooth. That was like there was like program. Like you know. I put my shirt on, then I put my tie on, then I put my shoes on, and I walked out the door. I took a bath I mean, first. I, mean, I, took, I took a shower I, first. I wash my hands for 20 right. seconds. Right. Wash your hands for 20 Look, if, you, if you're listening to us, right. wash your hands for 20 seconds. I don't know why these people right. just decided, people just act like they just discovered soap. Right. Oh, yeah. right. I get soap. Now all the soap is gone in the store. I'm like, what were people Man, doing? My, my wife, Erica, and Cole, my, my bonus son, they are germaphobes, and they think I am just a heathen half the time. <laughs> but they did turn me on to one thing. This is real quick. That? And that that when they wash their hands in a public bathroom, right, 
that you're not supposed to wash your hands, dry them off, and then touch the door and go out. Oh, right? I know. Yeah, I don't. You're I don't supposed do to hold or get another paper towel and, and open, the, open door. the door, right? And then toss it. And whenever I've done that, there's no way to toss that uh, that, that paper towel. And you bring it out. And I wind up <laughs> bringing it back and throwing it away somewhere or having the waiter take it. But uh, they've turned me on to that, and I'm trying to do better. All right. Hey, look. A. Scott Bolden in the house. Great uh, great having you back. Great in. talking to you. Look, this this, look, we did fist bump. That's we right. Did fist bump. <laughs> but, but you know, it's uh, good having you back on the show. You was one of the first that was here. Mm-hmm. Glad to have you back. It's uh, good to be back. What with matters? You. What? What smoking? matters most? What? There you go. Talking about what, what matters, matters most. most. Right. Hey, it's always real talk, so you know it's gonna be real. Cool. We good. <laughs>